The Chris Hahn Show. Good, good evening, everyone, and welcome. This is The Chris Hahn Show. I'm your host, Chris Hahn. The truth is on the air. And truthfully, tonight, America, let me break it down for you. The rhetoric maybe is out of control in this country to the point where mentally ill people are taking up arms against our members of Congress. And I just want to start tonight, before I start tonight, before I really get into the meat and potatoes of what the show is going to be about tonight, I want to talk to you for a minute about civility. Because I think in this country, we have a civility problem. A real civility problem. People who are on opposite sides of each other politically are not enemies. I debate multiple conservatives on this show and on the other shows where you see me. Those people are my friends. And I have a lot of respect for them, even if I disagree with them. And and most of the time we disagree. Hey, that's what we're supposed to do when we're debating each other. We're supposed to disagree. But that doesn't mean I don't respect them as human beings, as Americans. I don't question their patriotism or their love of country. I don't think of them as my enemy. Just as if you were like in a sporting event, you don't consider the other team your enemy. They're your opponent. You're playing against them, and at the end of the game, you shake hands. And when I worked in Congress, that's the way it was always. People always disagreed, but they hung out together. They got dinner after the debate. They knew each other's children. I think some of that's gone away in America, and I think that's a big problem. I think that's a a major part of the problem here today, America, is that we've come to a point where people don't really understand, people who are outside of politics, I should say, don't really understand That what is going on there is not a war. It is a battle of ideas. Both sides love America. They have different ideas of what government's role should be in America. That doesn't mean you hate each other. That doesn't mean you fight each other physically. You could have a fierce battle of ideas on the floor of the House or the Senate or even on radio shows and television shows and still get along with the person you are battling. I do it all the time. I do it almost every day. And unfortunately, in my career, this is the second such tragedy where members of Congress were shot at by people who disagree with them, but who are also, I must think, mentally ill, right? It happened with Gabby Giffords. I remember that very vividly back in uh, 2011. I was on the Fox News channel that night talking about it with, uh, with, a, with a woman who became a very good friend of mine, Angela McGlowan, who was a commentator at Fox, who had been a commentator for Fox for many, many years, who I uh, worked with for many, many years, and who I, I happen to really cherish as a person. I, I disagree with her politically on a lot of things. But... You're more than just the sum of your politics, America. I'm more than the sum of my politics. 
And I come on here and I invite people to disagree with me. And I'll do that soon. I'm live tonight, 631-451-1039 if you want to get on the phones. 631-451-1039 is my number. Um, But I invite that competition. I invite that discourse. That is what this show is about. The free exchange of information. But don't think of me as your enemy if you disagree with me. I don't think of you as my enemy. In fact, I often tell my friends on the right, I tell them how much I love them. I might think they're a little off politically. But that doesn't mean that I don't respect them as human beings. And I think as Americans, we have to do a lot more respecting people as human beings and a lot less thinking them as the enemy. We're all Americans, people. Don't question my patriotism because you don't like my politics. I think that's the big problem here in America. There's been too much questioning of people's love of country because we question each other's politics. And that's got to stop. And until that stops, we're going to continue to see more vitriol, especially in the Twitter sphere. And on the on the uh, in, in social media across multiple platforms, and hopefully we don't see more violence. But you know what? It's the logical end to it. You know, I was on a show a couple of weeks ago on Newsmax, a show that I you know I, I've done many times with no incidents at all, and I was on with a retired colonel who called me his enemy, and I stopped in the middle of the interview. When I was asked the question by the host, I go, I don't know what else this guy said after he called me his enemy. And I spent the next five minutes of that interview talking about why I'm not his enemy and how using that language is ridiculous. So if you're out there on the left or the right and you are challenging your neighbors on the left or the right or people like me on the left or the right and calling them your enemy You are forgetting what this country is about. You are not honoring the sacrifice made by our military so that we can have these free debates without fear of violence. You're not honoring the system that was gifted to us by our founding fathers that allow us to talk about politics without fear of retribution whether it be financial retribution or physical retribution or being out ostracized from a community. No, our politics is supposed to be the free exchange of ideas. And when you see what happened in Alexandria, Virginia yesterday, and it could have happened to the Democratic team, it happened to the Republican team this time. That's not what we're about. Now, I don't want to blame the rhetoric alone because I am sure this man had some serious mental disabilities. But that said, I want to see the rhetoric toned down. I don't care if you call me up and you disagree with me, you argue with me, you call my ideas ridiculous. I might do that to you. Don't tell me you hate me. Don't call me your enemy. Don't question my love of country. I won't question yours either. And if I have in the past, let me say I'm sorry about that right now. 
But I think it's our role as citizens here to really respect the system we were gifted, gifted by our founding fathers, gifted by the men and women who bled protecting this country and serving this country and died serving this country. They gave us this great gift. We've got to honor that gift in our politics by respecting all views. That's why I take all comers on this show. That's why I say, call me up and tell me why I'm wrong. That's why I always have a conservative guest, if I could find one. That's why if you disagree with me and you call in, you go to the front of the line on my call screener chart. I don't hold back. Anybody who's been listening to this show for the last four years knows I will take the person, I'll take anybody as long as they're respectful. When you start getting disrespectful and you start talking over me, you know, then we have a problem. But if you're respectful, I will take you regardless of your political beliefs. So let's get into the national conversation tonight, America, but let's do it understanding that we all love this country and we should all love each other a little bit more. Sound good? Good. All right, 631-451-1039 is my number, 631-451-1039. This is the Chris Hahn Show. I don't know if my intro got a little screwed up. My, my headphones were, there was something wrong with my headphones. I couldn't hear the music, so I just guessed. I don't know how did that sound, Mike. Perfect timing. Oh, perfect, perfect timing? timing. Yeah. I, I mean, you counted me down. I heard that, but then uh-huh. I couldn't hear anything in my ears. Yeah, man. So. so I switched out my headphones. So if you heard some bad pregnant pauses in that <laughs> intro right now, it was me switching out my headphones. Tell you what, it was very touching. It was, you know, it was very so true, though. Whatever it, you said, it's so true it's what driving me nuts. I mean, it's been driving me nuts. I've been sad for the last, you know, two days since this has happened. I've been, I, you know, it, I'm saddened by it. I'm like, to the extent that, well, am I part of it? I don't think so. I mean, I, I think that I've been, I'm, I'm very respectful. I, look, I go on Fox News. I'm a progressive who goes on Fox News. I have lots of friends. I'm going to have Evan Siegfried here uh, at the top of the 9 o'clock hour. Okay, Evan will be joining me uh, on the phone. Evan's a good friend of mine. He's, he's a Republican. He's a conservative. He's a guy who I care about. I would, if, if something happened to Evan, Evan and he needed help, I would be there to help him. And I got a lot of friends like that. I got a lot of friends like that locally, nationally, all over the place. People who I debated with. I mean, anybody who's ever seen me debate Monica Crowley on TV, okay? You guys probably know who Monica is. She was in the news a little bit earlier this year for something I won't talk about. But Monica Crowley and I have debated each other on TV hundreds of times, okay? Hundreds of times. And some of them have gotten pretty heated. Look it up. Go on you know, YouTube, you'll find dozens and dozens of interviews with me and Monica Crowley battling it out. But I love Monica Crowley. Monica Crowley is one of my best friends. Okay. She's a good person. Now her politics is nutty in my opinion. Okay. I I don't agree with her on almost anything political. I can't think of anything I've ever agreed with her politically, but we always have fun debating and we talk in the green room. And we've become good friends because we've been on TV together for a long time. And, and just because you see us debating on TV doesn't mean we don't like each other. And I know it's all your fantasies out there, all you conservative men, that all these women that I'm debating on Fox News hate my guts. They don't. And I don't hate their guts. And I don't hate the guts of anybody I've ever debated on Fox News. These are people you've seen me go at it tooth and nail with. I don't hate them. And they don't hate me. We just disagree politically, and when we get on TV, we amp it up because TV is a performance media. Radio is an entertainment media. We're not going to talk about the things we agree about. 
That's not what we're there for. Why would you watch it? I know that's part of the problem. And lots of members of Congress today appeared with people from, you know, with, with a colleague from across the aisle on TV. A lot of it. And they all said, you don't see the hundreds of hours of Democrats and Republicans working together to try to hammer out legislation. What you see is the name calling because that's what TV wants to cover. That's what I want to talk about on the radio, right? Because that's what people want to listen to. We're all guilty in this America. TV wouldn't be doing it if the audience is that's not what the audience wanted. That's why Fox News does better than the BBC in America or PBS when it comes to news. Because it's more entertaining. That's why I'm a better radio host than most people who have dramatically better political resumes than I do. Because I'm entertaining. This is an entertainment media, and it's not going to change. But I think we have to really stress that people don't hate each other. Okay, I don't hate any of the people I debate. And I don't think any members of Congress hate any other member of Congress. If that was a bipartisan softball game or baseball game and, they, and that was being shot at, I'm pretty sure the Republicans would have come to the aids of the Democrats and, and vice versa. We're all Americans. We all believe in this country. We might have different ways of figuring out. We might have different ways of of. Of, of, of wanting, we, have, we all have different opinions on how to make government work for the American people and the role of government. We have different views on that. I have a different way of getting health care than my Republican friends do. I have a different idea of what that should be. I have a different idea about tax policy. That doesn't make me un-American. It doesn't make him un-American or her. We're all Americans We all love this country. We all want to see it do better. So let's stop questioning our patriotism. Let's stop questioning our love of country. Let's accept that there are multiple ways of getting things done. Let's stop being so catty on Twitter. Mr. President, today, the day after this tragedy, he goes on a Twitter rampage about Hillary Clinton. I mean, he was fine for 24 hours. And then this morning, he talked about the witch hunt. And then this afternoon, he talked about Hillary. I guess we were spending too much time talking about the tragedy in Alexandria and not enough time talking about the president. So he needed to weigh in. I don't think this shooter is the only guy in the D.C. area who has mental health issues. Let me just put it that way. I think the guy in the White House has serious problems. I mean, I have seen people lose elections and obsess on those elections for a year or so. Just obsess about it. What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? This guy won the election, and he's obsessing on the election. Obsessing, obsessing, obsessing. Why? Because we're talking about maybe the Russians interfered with the election. Maybe your team colluded with them. I never thought you did thought maybe there was a junior staffer or something like that that might have had some meeting. Who knows? I never thought it would be a big deal. The minute you started firing people and asking people to intervene on your behalf to kind of change the story, 
that's when I started thinking that maybe there's something to this collusion thing. So, Mr. President, you saw what happened yesterday. Less than 24 hours after that tragedy, you were already back to being the, the king of divisiveness on Twitter. You are the president of the United States of America. You are not some schlub sitting in his mom's basement being snarky about the real housewives. Okay? You're not some schlub going on the radio to talk about how bad his hometown baseball team is. You're the president of the United States. You do not have to comment on every story in the news, particularly the ones about you. I think the president was very upset that the Washington Post uh, put out a story that the president is under investigation now by the special counsel, Mr. Mueller. And the president was very upset by this. So he felt he needed to tweet. Call it a witch hunt. And then he needed to tweet about Hillary for some reason. In the time when we're all getting together right now, the congressional baseball games happening in Washington, D.C. Right now, they went out, they all prayed together as a team. The cop that was hurt, shot uh, at the incident in Alexandria, he threw out the first pitch. But what was the president doing today? When everybody in Congress was trying to figure out a way for the, for the country to unify, to act less, you know, to act more civil in our politics, to behave like adults, to behave like we love our country and love each other. It's very touching what was going on in Congress today. Very touching indeed. And the president was, in, was part of that yesterday. He was very much involved. His statements were fine. But this morning he had to go back to being him. He had to tweet. And then this afternoon he had to tweet. I don't even understand why he felt the need to tweet about Hillary today. I don't even understand it. And this is the problem I have with this man. This is the problem. This is why I am constantly speaking out against this man. I want to talk about policy, Mr. President. I'd rather debate the policies that you're talking about. But you don't let me. First of all, you don't have any policies. I know your people think you do. I know that, uh, you know, I, I hear on Twitter all the policies you're putting out there. I have not seen policies. I've seen outlines. I've seen sketches. I haven't seen any detailed policies. And every time somebody tweets at me, uh, you know, not every time, but a lot of the time, I respond when they, when they say, this president's done a lot of things. I'm like, okay, well, show me on whitehouse.gov where he's actually done something. I know he signs a lot of executive orders, which are, which are basically glorified memos. I know he does that. I've seen those. It's nonsense. It's not policy. He's not moving the ball. He's not getting anything done for the American people. He's just having people clap for him. That's what he likes. What the president needs every day, the reason why he tweets is because he wants to see the likes, America. He's hearing all this bad news and he needs positive, he needs a positive affirmation to show that people still care about him. Well, Mr. President, there's 36% of Americans who are going to follow you off a cliff, it appears to me. 36% of Americans will follow you off a cliff. 
But right now, about 60% of Americans disapprove of the way you're running this country. That's not just Democrats, America. That's not just Democrats. 69% of Americans think you're trying to, to think that there's some Russian interference with the election that you should be more concerned about than you are. Anyway, we'll get into it on the other side of the break. Hopefully you'll call in. You'll want to talk about it. 631-451-1039 is the number if you want to get in on the national conversation. 631-451-1039. You are listening to The Chris Honcho, America. Keep it where it's at. I'll be right back. You can't ignore the truth forever, so listen up. The Chris Hahn Show. Hey. Yeah. Voice. Yeah. All right, I'm back. 631-451-1039 is my number. 631-451-1039 is my number. If you want to get in on the national conversation, pick up the phone and give me a call tonight. Uh, a little later on, I got Evan Siegfried joining me. He is a political commentator. You see him on MSNBC. You see him on Fox. You see him on CNN. He's all over the place. He's a New York guy, uh, Republican. We're going to talk uh, about uh, the mood of the country. We're going to talk about the president, who I think is just shooting himself in the foot every day. I, I might want to talk to him about health care because I think what the Republicans are doing in the Senate right now is an atrocity. Uh, they, you know, they, they made all this talk. Uh, in 20, uh, 2009, when Obamacare was repealed, uh, excuse me, when Obama pa- Obamacare passed, about how it was jammed down everybody's throat. That was the thing. They jammed it. They rammed it down our throat. They rammed it down our throat. Well, now the Senate has been putting together a secret bill. There's been no hearings. There were dozens of hearings when the Democrats passed Obamacare. Dozens. The Democrats in the Senate accepted 150 Republican amendments to Obamacare, 150 during that hearing process, 150. There was a debate for about a year after the bill was originally released, and it was modified, and it was changed, and there was lots of things to it, but they debated it for a year, hearing after hearing after hearing, Republicans you know, they offered amendments, they got amendments accepted, and they didn't use those amendments. They didn't vote uh, to approve the final bill. Okay. That's their prerogative. I get it. What Mitch McConnell's doing right now is he's planning to introduce this bill soon. Nobody's seen it yet. And there could be as little as four hours of debate in the Senate on it. No hearing. Mind you, no experts coming in to talk about what uh, this uh, this new health care bill is going to be about. None of that. No process at all. This is worse than what they did to Merrick Garland. They're going to jam this down the nation's throat and the nation's not going to know anything about it. You know how they all like to talk about how Nancy Pelosi said, well, we got to pass the bill to see what's in it, which was a stupid thing for her to say. But that bill had been around for a year. Mitch McConnell is not even letting the senators have copies of the bill, even in his own party. It's a small working group made up of old white guys trying to figure this out. 
President Trump the other day at a meeting told Mitch McConnell that the House bill, which they had this big celebration about, was mean. (laughs) Do you remember that celebration? I think the president thought that the House passing the bill meant that we had a bill. This is a president that doesn't understand that you need the House and the Senate to pass the bill. They had a big celebration. All the members of the House Republican Caucus got on a bus, went to the White House, big Rose Garden ceremony as if they just passed, you know, an amendment to the Constitution. They passed it through one chamber of Congress without a single Democratic vote. It still has to go through the Senate and get back to the president. But the way Mitch McConnell's doing this right now is ridiculous. There isn't a hearing on this bill. There should be no vote on this bill, America. If there's no hearing on the bill, there should be no vote on the bill. If there's no testimony from experts, if there's no questioning of witnesses, if there's no breakdown of this bill, there should be no vote on this bill. It is one-fifth of the American economy that they are playing games with, America, and they don't even want you to see it. They don't even want members of their own party in the Senate to see it. What does that say to you? I'll tell you what it says to me. It says that the bill is a travesty. It is a travesty. It is a bill that is so bad that if it saw the light of day and anybody thought about it or commented on it at all, it would have no chance of passing, even with the Republicans in control of the majority of the United States Senate. Because their own members would turn their back on it if it was released and got any real scrutiny by doctors, by seniors, by professionals who might know something about health care, by leaders in their own party even. It's a travesty. 631-451-1039 is my number. 631-451-1039. I got Evan Siegfried coming up uh, at the top of the hour. Evan Siegfried, you know him. He's on uh, Fox and CNN and MSNBC. He's a good friend of mine. We've debated each other numerous times. I think he's one of the funniest guys on TV. I think he's one of the funniest guys on TV uh, to debate. He's not fun. One of the not funniest. One of the a fun guy to debate. He's smart. He's intelligent. He doesn't. Uh, you know. He he doesn't. He doesn't call me anti-American when we debate. I don't call him anti-American when we debate. It's a it's a it's a nice fun debate about issues, about politics. Really, when I debate, I debate X's and O's, America. I debate X's and I debate O's. Here's what I think is going to happen if this happens. Here's my opinion of what's happening. I mean, I don't know if the Republican senators are happy or sad about Donald Trump's tweeting and about Donald Trump's problems. And now they could sneak through this legislation, which is so, so bad. I got another call from is that another bunch of calls from people who don't want to talk to me. They don't want to yell at you. Yeah, well, he was just saying he called up last week to uh, try to get you thrown off the air. Oh, he called in last week to try to get me thrown he's off like, the air. He's like, this idiot isn't off the air. I go, no. No, this idiot's been on the air. <laughs> Sir, uh, to you that called, uh, first of all, um, I'm the guy you want to talk to. You want to debate? Get on the air with me. Grow a pair. Well, would you, you called the studio to see if there's one real star guy who's local gets, gets thrown off the air. I would be on all the time if I could. They would have me on 
every day for four hours a day if I had the time in my schedule to do it here, okay? So for those of you calling, saying throw them off the air, you're out of your mind, okay? You're out of your mind. I am, I am a talent here at this radio station, right, Mike? They, they refer to me as yes, the sir. talent, right? That's what, the, that's what the check says, talent. Talent. <laughs> You, you, I, what is this guy doing on the air? Why don't we have another five hours of some ditto head saying the same nonsense as all the other guys on the radio? Why do we got to hear a different opinion? Oh, my, my, my ears, they can only handle right-wing nonsense. If some liberal gets on the air, if some liberal tries to tell me the truth about what's really going on, like, are you upset? That I'm pointing out that Mitch McConnell is is throwing away 240 years of Senate history, America. 240 years of Senate history. Mitch McConnell's just flushing it down the drain. No debate, no amendments, no hearings. One of the things about the Senate is they allow amendments. Any senator could rise to the floor and amend it. It's not like the House, which has strict rules. Look, there's 435 uh, uh, members of the House of Representatives. There's only 100 people in the Senate. And it's a very collegial body. It's supposed to be one of the most sophisticated debating societies in the world. They all have very good staffs with very intelligent people. It's the major leagues of politics. Trust me, I know. I played in that league. I worked for Senator Chuck Schumer. It's major league baseball. And Mitch McConnell is doing something that has never been done in the United States Senate. He's taking a major piece of legislation. Not an emergency piece of legislation that we all agree on, that we got to fund something because something happened, like there was an earthquake or something, but a major piece of legislation that is going to affect one-fifth of our economy. One-fifth of our economy, America. And he's going to ram it through the Senate without any real debate. Eight hours of debate on the floor of the Senate. Tops. No hearings. No amendments. So... The guy who called who wanted me to get thrown off the air, everything I just said is fact. There are a lot of people trying to change that, but that's fact right now. And I'm sorry your virgin ears couldn't handle it because you're used to ditto heads saying how great Donald Trump is and how great Mitch McConnell is and how great Paul Ryan is. Guys who, if they weren't in front of a microphone, might be down on their knees Worshipping these people is what I'm going to say, Mike. I'm not trying to make a defamation. I don't want anybody to get mad at me. But no, I have a different opinion. Why is this guy still... You know, I called up last week. I called up last week and I tried to get a phone off the air. (laughs) I I called up. Oh, you found the sound effects. This is Mike in his second week here with the show. There we go. Found some of the sound. I got a lot of drops there. Found a couple of them. But, you know, here's... And the, the thing I like most about these people is they don't want to talk to me. They don't have the balls to get on the air with me. You're a little intimidating. I'm Come not trying... Look, I just spent <laughs> a half an hour telling everybody how I'm going to be nice to them. And then this guy calls up. <laughs> Change the mood for everybody. Uh, you know, you're, you're ruining it for everybody. 631-451-1039 is my number. You don't have to agree with me, America. You really don't. I, I'm, I'm trying to keep it civil. 631-451-1039. But when somebody calls up because they don't like, I mean, what did I say? 
Like, what was so bad about that? You, you think bills should get rammed through the Senate? You think there shouldn't be debate? You don't think there should be full disclosure of what's in it? Didn't you bitch for the last four years, five years, that Nancy Pelosi said that, uh, oh, if you, if you, the way we're going to find out what's in the bill is if you pass the bill. Granted, a boneheaded thing for Nancy Pelosi to say. But I did hear you complain about it, right-wingers, for the last eight years. But now it's okay? And by the way... You had a lot of time to read the bill. I know it was long. I know you don't like to read conservatives. I know you don't like to read things. I know the bill was long, but you did have a year to read it. We're going to have eight hours to read this bill that deals with one-fifth of our economy. And somebody calls up this station. You got the nerve to call this station and demand I be fired for telling you the truth? You'd rather hear to somebody lie to you? And tell you how great trickle-down economics is and how great this health care bill is going to be for you. If it was so great, you would be hearing about it right now. The bill would be being touted by everybody. You'd have the AARP sign on as a supporter of the bill. You'd have the American Medical Society, the Hospital Association. You'd have nurses and teachers and doctors and professors all talking about how great the bill was. Instead, you got a bill that's being negotiated and written, really, by five old white guys somewhere in the basement of the Capitol, and nobody gets to look at the bill until they're ready to vote on it. Eight hours before it's voted on, we'll see what's in it. In the United States Senate, okay, United States, you know what eight hours is in the United States Senate? You know, think, of the, think of it as the opposite of dog years, right? Things move very slow in the Senate. Like eight hours in the Senate is like eight minutes in real life, okay? Each hour is a minute in Senate time. It's reverse dog, dog years in the Senate. And, you know, I know eight hours sounds like a lot of time to you. It's not in the Senate. This is something that should be debated for like eight months. It's so important to the United States economy. Obamacare was debated for a year. Don't let anybody lie to you and say it was jammed down anybody's throat. This is a throat jamming. Am I still too intimidating? People are not going to, nobody's going to want to talk to me now. 631-451-1039 is my number. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Yeah, I don't know. I got to calm down. Slow and steady. I got to be like, hey. You're going to talk like the Senate, nice and slow. Yeah, I got to. Uh, will the gentle lady from Wisconsin please rise and accept exactly. my con- uh, my acceptance <laughs> of this? 631-451-1039 is my number. If the gentle callers from either Long Island or West Palm Beach, Florida, would like to join me today and, and talk about my, uh, my beloved United States Senate, which I, I have a lot of respect for, but clearly Leader McConnell does not. And clearly some conservatives just don't want to hear it, right? They just don't want to hear it. Like that's, this is, you know, it goes back to what's wrong with our politics. People don't want to hear it. My side does everything right. Your side does everything wrong. Well, no, my side doesn't do everything right. And your side doesn't do everything wrong and vice versa. Sometimes people screw up on both sides of the aisle. Mitch McConnell trying to jam a piece of legislation that is worth one-fifth of our economy, that will impact one-fifth of our economy, jam it through without any real debate? That's a travesty. And if it was Chuck Schumer trying to do it on the other side, even though he's made my life, made my career, I would say something about it. But Chuck Schumer would never do that because he respects the United States Senate. 
Clearly, Leader McConnell does not. Clearly, his caucus is going to let him get away with this because they let them get away with everything. They're like, you know what? Well, everybody's looking at the Donald Trump investigations over here. We're going to destroy the United States medical system over there. We're going to make it harder for poor people and women and kids to get health care. And old people, oh, I'm sorry, old people, your health insurance now just tripled. But we didn't debate it. Nobody knew about it till it hits you. By the way, here's another thing you're going to find out about this bill. They're not going to let it go into effect like 2022. Right? They don't want to feel, they don't want you to feel the pain of the bill before their election. It'll go into effect like 2020, January 15th, 2021 is when it'll take effect. Whenever the next president's taking office, because God knows this nut's not getting reelected. If he even makes it through his term. You watch. You watch, America. Obamacare's so bad it's imploding. Okay, well, save it. Fix it. You're in charge. I, I see these tweets from this crazy president of ours, and I see Leader McConnell and all these members going out there saying, oh, Obamacare's imploding. Okay, well, you control everything in the government right now. There are 11 million Americans that use Obamacare, not to mention the people who got expanded Medicaid coverage under it. 11 million. If it's imploding, fix it. Part of the reason insurers are pulling out is because they don't know what's going to happen to it. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy that they are perpetrating on you, America. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. We're going to say we're going to tear it apart. So what's an insurance company going to do? They're going to sit there and wait for it to fall apart? They're going to be the last person to shut the lights out? Get stuck with the bill? No, they're going to pull out. Well, they still can. They're not going to take a loss because, you know, Mitch McConnell might pass a bill in the middle of the night with no debate. I I mean, you think that I'm wrong for pointing that out and that I should be fired from my radio job? I mean, really? That's what you think? You get another Hannity lookalike in here? You get another Ditto head? Get another Mark Levin? Huh? Is that what you want? You want another guy like that saying how great the Republicans are all day long? Because, I mean, I don't know if you've been listening to me for four years, but when Obama screwed up, I talked about him too. I didn't like his drone policy. Not at all. Not even a little bit. I wasn't crazy about his Iran policy. I wasn't crazy with the, what he did about Israel at the, end of his camp, at the end of his administration. I didn't like it. I pointed it out. I never hear these guys criticize Donald Trump once. And this guy is a maniac. They don't even question his tweeting. You ever see Sean Hannity say a bad word about Donald Trump? I mean, even say, hey, maybe the guy needs to cut it out on Twitter. Start acting a little bit more presidential. You ever hear them say that? But you go through the records of my career, America, you will definitely see me criticizing Democrats when they screw up. I'm nonpartisan. I'm progressive. I'm with anybody who wants to move the ball forward. If there's a Republican with a good idea to move the ball forward, I'm with them. Independents who want to move the ball forward, I'm with them. I'm against people who want to move the ball backwards, who want to turn back the clock. People who want to take away health care from 11 million Americans. Yeah, I'm against that. But if they came up with a way to give more health care to more people like Donald Trump claimed he was going to do, I before that. 
Donald Trump said he wants to give more coverage to more Americans at lower cost. I'm all for that. There's a way to do that, Mr. President. It's called single payer. Every other country in the world that has a health care plan has that. Every other country. Conservatives in London would never get rid of the national health. It's just a question of how much we're going to fund it. But here, for some reason, I'm a communist because I think that we should take the middleman, the insurance company, out of health care. And we should let doctors make decisions with their patients and let the government pay it all together. And I think we'll make a lot, we'll save a lot of money that way because we spend 14% of our economy on it and the rest of the world spends nine of their GDP on health care. I'm a communist because I want to spend less money. Maybe I'm frugal, right? Maybe I'm frugal. Maybe I'm a good budgeter, but I'm not a communist, America. And most people who call me a communist, I'm much better at capitalism than they are. That's the thing I don't get, right? A lot of people who are not as good at capitalism as me Mm -hmm. call me a communist. It's funny to me. It's hilarious. I usually hop into my car that they could never afford after five years of working (laughs) and laugh about how I was just called a communist. It's funny. It's funny to me. All right. I got my good friend Evan Sickfeet joining me on the other side of the break. I'll take your calls later on if you got the balls to get on the phone. (laughs) You are listening to The Chris Hodge Show. Keep it where it's at. I'll be right back, America. Chris Han Show. All right, I'm back. I'll be taking your calls at the bottom of the hour at 631-451-1039. That's 631-451-1039. Don't forget, Saturday night, 9 o'clock, I will be on Justice with Just Justice with Judge Janine on the Fox News channel. You can follow me on Twitter at Christopher Hahn. For all of my appearances and other things I'll be doing, but don't forget to catch me Saturday night, 9 o'clock hour, uh, with Janine Pirro, who I disagree with vehemently on almost everything, but who I love like a sister. So please, America, remember that when you see me yelling at her on Saturday night. But joining me now is a good friend of mine who I have debated many, many times on the Fox Business Channel and the Fox News Channel. Evan Siegfried is a author. He just got a book out called GOP GPS, which is available on Amazon.com. You see him on Fox. You see him on CNN. You see him on MSNBC. You read him in the New York Times, in the Wall Street Journal, in the Washington Post, and the Daily Beast. He's a great guy. And he's a Republican in America. Uh, Evan, how you doing? I'm great. I'm a little worried because you're going to yell at Judge Janine. They accuse us Republicans of having a war on women. You're already preemptively announcing your war. Uh, well, look, I, I yell at her is probably the wrong thing for me to say. I yell back at her. She yells at me, and then I yell back. But well, I you probably I, deserved it. I, 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 I do. I do love her, uh, and I've been I've been doing her show now for almost ten years or nine, as long as her show's been on the air, probably eight years. And um, and it's uh, it's always fun. It's always wild. She's always nice. 
and uh, you know, and then we get on the air and we uh, we beat each other up. It's fun. So. Well, there's no greater way to show affection than that. Well, you know, the best time for me with her was during the primaries when I would be on, and it would always be always be about Trump, right? And she was a big Trump supporter right from the beginning. She was an early Trump supporter. Trump had supported her when she ran for DA in Westchester, and I think when she ran for United States Senate uh, in New York, or you know, for the brief period that she was doing that. Uh, and Trump, you know, she knew Trump personally, so she was a big supporter of Trump's and every Republican she would have on would talk about how Trump would not be the nominee and she would have me on with them. And I'd be like, Oh, I don't know. I think Trump's going to be the nominee. And it was great because we were ganging up on the Republican. But now that he, once he became the nominee, everybody was ganging up on me. Well, short term gain for long term failure. <laughs> exactly. So Evan, what do you make of what's been going on the last 24 hours, 48 hours now? Uh, you know, the whole situation in Alexandria, Virginia, horrible, horrible, horrible. Uh, I, I hearken back to when Gabby Giffords got a child. I think everybody behaved for a little while, uh, and then they quickly stopped. So what's your thoughts? Well, I think this is a moment where we can reflect on our descent of decency and see that maybe our rhetoric has on both sides of the aisle gotten a little too intense. Absolutely. Donald Trump himself has contributed to it by saying, you know, he would love it if a protester were punched in the face, and he might pay the legal bills of the people who did that for him and stuff along those lines. Right. But he's more of a reaction to a larger problem. And the larger problem was our rhetoric on both sides of the aisle has gotten so intense and so crazy over the past several years, probably yeah. 15, 20 years since Clinton, that we have sort of fostered this belief in uh, the far left and the far right that the other side quite literally is evil. Right, or is our enemy, right? It's like, yeah. yeah. Republicans would go out and talk about the scourge of immigrants and how they're evil. And then Democrats would come out and say Republicans have a war on the poor. There was former Representative Joe Garcia, who in 2013 called Republicans the American Taliban. Mm. And we have, and that's a little extreme. And that's the exact line that the shooter yesterday used. Yeah. I think when you start saying that over and over again, you get somebody who's crazy like this shooter yep. because he's ultimately responsible for his. Yeah. Attack. I mean, ultimately, Nobody these shooters are crazy, right? I mean, the same the guy who, who shot Gabby Giffords, you know, I, I wouldn't go into his right wing leanings or anything like that. Well, he was insane. Schizophrenic. Right. The New York these, Times had to backtrack pretty hard. These today. people are insane. I mean, at the end of the day, they're insane. You've got to be insane to pick up a rifle and start shooting people who are defenseless. I mean, that is that is insane. That's an yeah, insanity. Targeting them because of political belief. Yeah. When I was, I went down to the DNC last summer to do a bunch of media interviews, and I was taking the subway from uh, the train station to the Wells Fargo Center, and on the subway, a whole bunch of Bernie Bros, middle-aged white women. Yeah. Probably, you know. Um, upper middle class were screaming at me and other people on this subway going to the Wells Fargo Center that Hillary was evil, that the day of reckoning was coming, mm. and that we would be judged and some of us would be executed for our hoarding crime oh, success. Yeah. And when you and these were two women, okay? They're not representative of Bernie no, Sanders. I don't, I, I, as, is I, as is this guy who, you know, shot, you know, he's not representative of Bernie Sanders or no. the vast, overwhelming majority of, of their but supporters. The one interesting thing for me was all of the Sanders supporter on, uh, supporters on this train, which were about 20 to 30, they were cheering 
when this happened, mm. and they liked the extremist language. Right. And again, I don't think it's just Democrats. I think Republicans absolutely have been saying stuff that's been nuts and shouldn't be said. Lots of it. Um, I mean, almost I think, everything that was said by about Obama by anybody on the radio the last uh, eight years, not me, but you know. Uh, you sure? Because I thought you started the birther. <laughs> I mean, they, born you know, the, the president of the United States decided to say that this guy was un-American, right? That he wasn't un-American, that he wasn't deserving of the presidency, the president, the current president of the United States. So, I mean, it, it is a, it is, you know, we spent eight years uh, with, you know, horrible things being said about Obama. You know, we, there was this big brouhaha last week about uh, Trump being portrayed as Caesar. Obama was being tr- portrayed as Caesar in a Julius Caesar production. And I think just about every president ever uh, has been portrayed as Julius Caesar at one in one production or another. It's just the way Except they... Except for Franklin Pierce, because yeah, nobody even... Yeah, yeah, he was him. a caretaker president. Nobody nobody, nobody knew what to do. Nobody nobody knew how to, to On play On the him. Julius Caesar thing, I actually did see the play long before the... Uh, or two weeks before the uh, kerfuffle right. related to it. And one, I actually really enjoyed it. It was a fantastic show. Unfortunately, it closes Sunday night just because that's when it was supposed to close. Right, right. But... I did not find any offense, and my Republican friends that went and saw it as well, they enjoyed it. They right. said, you know, this is not, we were all very surprised at the blowback. I think, if anything, the only reason they could, re- or the only reason you could actually go after the play is because of the way that Caesar's wife, the Melania character, is portrayed. Ah. And she's portrayed as sort of this ditzy, uh, very sexualized uh, woman who is, not really the woman that Melania has shown well, her. Well, it is written by Shakespeare, right? It's not like they're really saying they it's Melania. Insert, they inserted a couple of jokes about uh, things that Trump said on the campaign trip, right. maybe in the uh, Access Hollywood tape. Right, right, right. And she, and they, the way she carried herself on stage was not so much Shakespeare. Got it. It was much more, uh, you know, a Hollywood pornographic But, film. you know, it is, though, what directors do with this play. Caesar is always the current president, and and then uh, um, Mark Anthony and um, Augusta are often portrayed, and and the other senators are often portrayed as current, you know, battling political parties. Yes, and they actually had the Jared Kushner character as Octavius, and the funny part about that is in the battle scenes, he came out dressed in the Brooks Brothers battle chic uh, in Iraq. <laughs> and I could not stop laughing, and the rest of the audience didn't pick up on it. And they thought I was the weird guy uh, who was in the audience. Right. I was crying. Right, right. And that's, it was a fantastic show. It's what happens. I mean, I, I, I'm sure I did. You know, I'm an actor. Uh, and I, I've done Shakespeare in my life, believe it or not. And I am sure at one point or another, I've done Julius Caesar and there was some president that we were, uh, parrying as Caesar. I mean, it's just the way it is. It's the way it is. It's always been done. It was done to Obama. There was many, many, many productions of Julius Caesar during the Obama administration where the president, where Julius Caesar was Obama. Just that. And the whole point of Julius Caesar is not to glorify assassination, but to tell a story against it. Right. The same with The Merchant of Venice. Right. Where Shylock on the surface appears as this uh, uh, caricature of what Jews are, when it's an actually an, uh, it goes against anti-Semites as the purpose. It says right. that Jews are not uh, what they are made out to be by anti-Semites. 
I'm talking to Evan Siegfried. He is a GOP strategist and the author of GOP GPS. Get it at Amazon.com right now or wherever books are sold. He's a TV personality. You know him. You've seen him. He's at Evan Siegfried on Twitter. I tweeted him out at Christopher Hahn. So if you follow me, you could easily click on him and follow him as well. And if you follow him and you're listening because he's on, follow me at Christopher Hahn on Twitter. I, need I endorse more, that message. I need a few more followers, man. I'm, I'm for a guy who's on TV as much as I am. I have surprisingly few followers. Well, <laughs> so, I think you need to say something a little more controversial, like, you know, talk about Kim Jong-un and say, he's a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. That'll yeah. Set you apart. Yeah. That's my problem. I don't say enough nonsense on TV. I mean, I did once say on national television, um, that uh, uh, sex is a recreational activity, and don't you think people should have a recreational activity as that they should afford when I was debating uh, contraception uh, in Obamacare? <laughs> so, I'm not going to touch that with a 10-foot pole. It, it is one of my most famous <laughs> clips, and it is why I was not hired by a specific television station that took over another television station that I was working at. You know, I, after I left Fox... After the 2012 election, I was working at Current. Current got bought by somebody else. They did not hire me because they thought I was too funny. <laughs> That's really a very sad problem. <laughs> yeah. My agent's like, you're getting hired. It's going to be triple what you made at Fox. It's going to be great. Uh, and then like two days later, my agent fired me and said I wasn't getting hired. Well, I got <laughs> in trouble for, or went viral, but not really in trouble for saying that the president is like Al Bundy. Uh, talking about the four touchdowns he scored once for yes. high because of his election win talk. And he did it two weeks ago, talking about how he had the one of the greatest elections of all time. And I think even Republicans are saying, all right, dude, we get it. You won. Yeah. He's challenging your legitimate win. Right. It's about time you start celebrating other things. Right. It's about time you worry about the next election uh, and whether or not the Russians are going to try to actually infiltrate our voting machines. Maybe they don't want you to be president. Maybe, like, you know, somebody on some weird line is going to win. <laughs> you know? Somebody we're not thinking like about. Like a Democrat? No, you know, like, <laughs> you're an idiot. Uh, you know, somebody like, uh, you know, we were going to have like, uh, you know, President Stein. I mean, she was at that dinner. You know, we always talk about Mike Flynn at the dinner with Vladimir Putin, but Jill Stein was there too. She was sitting she next was to Putin. Waiter. Come on. You no, 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 no. Jill Stein was at that same table with Flynn and Putin. And, and it, it, if you look closely after I Photoshop the photo, she's serving the dinner. <laughs> she's it, she's no, literally working for Putin. <laughs> I think you're right. The president should be worried about Russia. I think the very missed out on story this week is that the House and the Senate came to a bipartisan deal to basically restrict the power of the presidency so that if the president wants to lift sanctions on Russia, he has to get permission from them. Right. And it passed the Senate uh, 98 to 2, to two yeah. yesterday. Yeah. And to, uh, right now, the White House is frantically making calls to the House because they know it's going to pass in the House, but they're trying to get one-third of the House plus one members to uh, vote against it so that they know when the president vetoes the bill, right. they, uh, the House and the Senate will not have enough to override the veto. Could you imagine him vetoing this bill? By the way, this bill also has increased sanctions against Iran. So he would have to veto increased sanctions against Iran and the increased sanctions against Russia. So this is a president that, you know, really, for, I mean, look, for a guy who says he's got nothing to do with Russia, he's awfully concerned about the Russians, don't you think? I think he it does uh, inadvertently trip onto something that 
we should all want for the country and have better U.S.-Russia relations. But it can't be a one-sided thing where we're coming to them like an abused wife saying, oh, we're so sorry for how terribly we've treated you. We have to be met in the middle by the Russians. The Russians need to cease their meddling in uh, U.S. and Western elections. They need to absolutely stop assassinating journalists who write anything critical. They need to improve their human rights record. Remember, in October of last year, the Russian parliament passed a law saying it's legal for a man to beat his wife. Right. And I think we need to get Russia to sort of get on board with, you know, human rights, human rights. And, and, you know, maybe they need to come into the 21st century and stop being ridiculous. They need to come into the 20th century. Right. And, and we, we've got to also understand that they did try to influence our election and they are still, according to James Comey coming for us. And I believe him. I think you probably do as well. I think 19 other intelligent agencies think the same exact thing, but there's one guy who doesn't, and he happens to be president of the United States. And I think it's great that Congress is putting it to him on this. I think it's actually sad that the Congress is putting it to him on this. Well, it's sad that they have to. Yes. But it is not sad that they are. Uh, You know, it's it's great that they are. But this guy needs to stop and he needs to either embrace it or, you know, it's every time he does something like this, it's more ammunition for people like me to say this guy might really be in bed with the Russians. You know, Evan, when this whole thing started, I never thought that he personally colluded with the Russians. I thought maybe if there was collusion, there'd be some, you know, every campaign's got a guy who's really ambitious that's trying to figure something out. Maybe they went off on a tangent and had some conversations, whatever. It's embarrassing, but it's not like the end of the presidency. But the more the guy covers it up, the more I start to think that there's some there there. Don't you? I actually don't think he colluded with the Russians, and I don't think there's there there. I think that what ended up happening here, and where he really trapped himself, was that he is a very insecure person to begin with. Yeah. And when he starts hearing about the collusion, it drives him crazy. How come people don't recognize me for what I did? And then on top of that, he decides to ignore the 17 intelligence agencies and question them, because in his mind, it somehow is a negative, uh, and it Distract, it takes away from the legitimacy of his win. Right. Now, when he actually covered up, or his big problem is that because of this paranoia and insecurity, it seems he went out and fired Comey. Because yeah. And that is the big problem because he went to Mike Flynn, or he went to Comey and said, please drop this. In- I hope you drop this investigation into Mike Flynn. And I know there are some Republicans who came out and said, well, saying, Hope, uh, can you tell me the last time a law or a somebody was prosecuted right. uh, on hope well there's an eighth circuit court uh, of appeals decision that says hope absolutely is a way of coercing absolutely and pressuring people especially when you're their boss yeah and when and you're the president of the united states saying it in some weird meeting yeah and i think that there are these problems that the president is putting up for himself and he's calling it a witch hunt it is not a witch hunt. It's a problem of his own making. Right. And he's made many mistakes since he's taken office. And let's be honest, we would not be here today if he did three simple things. One, not, fire, uh, not hired Michael Flynn. Right. Two, fired James Comey on January 20th and done so respectfully. Right. And three, don't tweet crazy accusations. Yeah, or, or how about this? Four, when the special counsel was, was appointed, how about saying... I welcome the scrutiny. I've done nothing wrong. And then stop talking about it like every other president that uh, that gets a special counsel, which most of them get, right? Obama's like the first one in a long time that hasn't had a special prosecutor. Yeah, uh, you he, know? he had it one with uh, 
We had one with uh, George W. Bush. We had one with Bill Clinton, and we've we had have one with Reagan. Before. Yeah. You know, so it, it's it's a it's a um, you know it's it's not the end of the world, and you should say I welcome the investigation. I've done nothing wrong. The fact that you're constantly appearing to be trying to cover it up and tweeting about it—that is his problem. And that have is- you noticed the one thing the Republicans who are elected Republicans are doing compared to what Trump and his surrogates are doing? Trump and his surrogates are saying all of this stuff that Comey said never happened. Right? They're denying it flat out. Republicans are saying, listen, he's new at this. He doesn't know any better. Nobody has disputed of elected Republicans the validity of what James Comey is saying. Right. Republicans realize the hole the president has dug himself into. Dug and the party into. He's dug the party into a hole. Oh, well, if we were already in a hole to begin with, he just dug it deeper. Right. Uh, I think that when you actually look at it, the president going out and having his people say that it's uh, the Comey uh, Mueller friendship is now some part of a deep state plot against the president. Right, ridiculous. It is ludicrous. Yeah. If you mean uh, if you mean deep state means the rule of law, right? And yes, uh, that it's true. But right now, the president is making it worse. And Republicans, I think, in the fall, if they don't have any real legislative accomplishments, you'll start to see them break with the White House and be willing to take him on on their own. Well, that's the thing, though. I don't understand why more and more of them haven't broken from the White House yet. You know, I mean, I get this thing with Russia. They have no choice. But, like... You read polls. Look at the approval ratings for Donald Trump within the Republican Party among the base. Well, 80% and higher. He's been at 81 to 89% since he took office. He had a 17% drop in job approval. This month in Gallup among Republicans, 17% drop. It's not 80% anymore. Look at it. Well, if you look at the weekly averages, it's 81 to 89 since he took office mm. on, uh, I believe it is Gallup itself in their tracking poll. Right. And when you see these cracks forming, that's good for Republicans breaking away, but they need to be much stronger. And when the president is that popular within his own party, Republicans still know they'll need him for legislation, right? Because if they back away from him, they don't want to be the first one to anger the president. Yeah, he will take vengeance. And he loves to take vengeance, doesn't he? All right, I got thirty seconds left with you, Evan. Where can people find you? What do you want them to know? You can find me on Twitter at Evan Siegfried, and you should definitely go and buy several copies of my book, GOP GPS, at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or pretty much any bookstore that you have uh, access to. There you go. And and uh, and you got any TV appearances coming up? I'm doing MSNBC Live tomorrow from 10 to 11 a.m., and then I will be, uh, will be on the Intel Report with Trish Regan from 2 to 3 p.m. on Fox Business tomorrow. All right. And MSNBC, or no, pardon me, the Fox Report Sunday night and AM Joy Sunday morning. There you go. Evan Siegfried, he's a good friend of mine. He's a good guy. I love him, even though he's a Republican. You're listening to The Chris Hahn Show. I'm taking your calls on the other side of this break at 631-451-1039. Keep it where it's at. America's favorite progressive, The Chris Hahn Show. All 
right, I'm back. I'm taking your calls for the next half hour. 631-451-1039 is my number. That's 631-451-1039. I'll try to keep it nice the next half. I don't want anybody to be getting mad, Mike. Everybody's a little... <laughs> everybody's a little... Uh, He's too wild. I can't get in and it's just it out. Wait, wait for a little advice for the callers. When you call, just have your opinion. I have some examples of what you want to say and just have a nice spirited conversation. Right. Don't you get Every, overexcited. Everybody's got to be nice. It's not the end of the world. We're just debating and having a little fun. I get animated so that you continue to listen. Exactly. Right? I mean, there's a reason why I've been on the air for four years and I'm on every other radio station all the time and I'm on TV because <laughs> I'm, I'm like, you know, like, keep it real. Exactly. Keep you interested. Oh, it's, look, somebody's calling. There we in, go. Infotainment, you it's know? It's infotainment. It's not, it's not a war. I don't hate you. I might disagree with you. And if you agree with me, you can call, too. I always say call me if you disagree with me. But, you know, if you agree with me, you can call, too. 631-451-1039 is the number. I got I to gotta start by talking about um, the cabinet meeting we had a couple days ago where the president got all of his cabinet secretaries to... Uh, to um, to say something nice about him and like this dear leader praise the president before you start like was that like an order like did he write the did he write hey i got a few things for you guys to say he probably wrote it himself you know he, he probably wrote it himself <laughs> you see the president like handwriting it himself stephen miller uh not stephen miller uh yeah steve miller was the fake name he gave himself something like that i don't know 631-451-1039 let me go to mike and ronkonkoma hey mike you're, yeah. on the, you're on the air, my man. Yeah, just straight Trump, Trump, Trump. Okay, what about him? He's the man, boy. He's the man? He's proving him all wrong. Well, I won't, like, say he's not a man. I, I, I'm not going to go down that road. But I don't know if he's proven anybody wrong. Oh, he, he hung up. Like, look at that. He didn't want to debate me at all. He just wanted to call and say, Trump, 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 Trump. I wonder how much money he got for, uh, you know, doing that. Yeah. And his friends. One of his friends said, hey, <laughs> hey man, how would I call this guy up? We're going to say, Trump, 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 Leaving Trump, happy Trump, Trump. hour right now or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it, it's like, the, it's, it's like, give me a break. Guys, guys, this is the thing. You're doing exactly what he wants you to do. It's the dear leader routine. Doesn't matter what he does. Doesn't matter what he says. Now, here's my thing, my advice to the president. Got another one coming. Here's, a, here's my advice to the president, okay? You don't have any real beliefs, Mr. President. You can do whatever you want, and your supporters will support you. So why don't you try to do something good, something nice for the American people, like universal health care. That'd be fun. Or real transportation infrastructure reform, not this nonsense tax credit stuff you put out there, which you didn't even have a real plan for. Why don't you do that? Instead of like spending your time having your cabinet appear like they're your flax, doing the dear leader routine, saying, oh, Mr. President, it's such an honor to work in your administration. You are among the greatest people in the world. We love you. Oh, and your leadership has led to blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. When he really hasn't led his way out of a paper bag, America, all he's done in the 149 days he's been in office is talk about how he got elected. That's all he's done. 631-451-1039. Let's go to Mike and Patchogue. Mike and Patchogue, how you doing? How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing very well. I just... Uh... You know, I'm a conservative. I I like Trump. 
Um, I just, I think he's hilarious, man. I, you know, I, I love it when people call in like conservatives as well and they freak out about nothing. <laughs> and then they hang up, you know. I mean, like I said, a lot of times I don't agree with you. But you know what? We all got the free speech and... I think you're hilarious. I so appreciate I it, Mike. Say thank I, you. <laughs> I appreciate it, and I don't hold your political beliefs against you, even though I disagree with you. I, 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 I hold you in regard as an American, and I'm sure you and I both agree we love this country. It's the greatest yep. country on earth. We might have different ways of trying to figure out how we're going to run it, but we both love it. Thanks for your call, Mike. Thanks, buddy. Thanks God bless. God bless you, too. 631-451-1039 is the number. See, that's the kind of stuff I like. Someone right? gets it. He gets yeah, it. Yeah, you know? that's what I was talking about tonight. Exactly. You know, I don't, I'm not asking. Look, I'm not asking for people to call and praise me. I'm not Donald Trump. I don't need that kind of praise. No, of course not. Uh, in fact, you could disagree with me on this show. That's what I, that's what I do. I, I take the disagreement. I take the good with the bad. That's a good call. He disagrees with me, but he you know, agrees with but. But but I, I do really – I don't understand how people are not noticing this dear leader nonsense that goes on at every opportunity. When he introduced his budget, the budget – when, when he introduced his new EPA rules and he was pulling out of the Paris Accord, the EPA administrator and the vice president of the United States had to make these glowing speeches about the president. He's so great and so bold and he's going to do so many great things because he's pulling out of this thing that's hoping to save the planet. And the cabinet meeting, oh, the president. It's like every time the vice president speaks when the president's in the room, I, I think less of Mike Pence. Now, I just want to say, for the record, I don't agree with Mike Pence politically, but I've always kind of respected him. He was true to his, his, his beliefs, and he had very hard, strong beliefs. But every time I see him introduce the president of the United States and make those glowing statements about the president, that is just to me ridiculous. And I don't know if Evan said this to me on the air or off the air. Evan and I were talking off the air as well. You watch that cabinet meeting. And that cabinet meeting was out of this world. There was only one, one cabinet member that, that kept his dignity. Instead of praising the president, he praised the men and women of the armed forces. That's General Mattis. And thank God for General Mattis trying to, you know, the one grown-up in the administration trying to keep this president from destroying the planet, destroying the military, destroying our reputation around the world. Thank God. God bless General Mattis. Pray, pray for his health. Pray that he stays in his job and keeps doing what he's doing and keeps this country out of trouble because we got a maniac at the switch here. A man who's demanding praise from his cabinet secretaries, from his vice president, from members of Congress. Anytime he's introduced, it's got to be this glowing nonsense intro. Never seen anything like it. I mean, it's almost like he needs like a, it's almost like he's a rapper. And you know how they got the guy to kind of, the hype man? Right? It's like, or a boxer. He needs a hype man. I mean, I know Donald Trump used to be very much involved with pro wrestling and, and, and uh, to a lesser extent, boxing. Maybe there were some boxing matches at his casinos, but he was very much involved with pro wrestling. We all remember that. And he even, he even took the wife of the head of the pro wrestling league and made her the head of the small business administration. <laughs> so let's just remember that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. 
right? Of course not. She's not a bad person. I mean, she ran for Senate. She's had her, had her own career. She ran a, a very successful business. But it's like the president needs a hype man. Like that's, like, that's what the president wants. He wants a hype man. He wants somebody coming around and hyping him up before he speaks. It's like a warm-up act. You know, I'm going to see you too next week and the Lumineers are opening up for him to the president. The entire cabinet is the Lumineers. <laughs> it's like, are you kidding me? I, I, I just, I, I don't, um, I don't get it. Like the whole country has to become this man's psychiatrist. It would really be good if he could just get some therapy <laughs> and work it out. You got elected president of the United States. You're president of the United States. You don't need to have people talk about how great you are. You've achieved something that only 44 other people in the history of this country have achieved. Only about 10 people in your lifetime have done what you're doing right now. You don't need a hype man. You don't need your cabinet officials to say how great you are. And go to your butt every time you walk into the room. Get some therapy. I won't make fun of you for it. I've done it myself. I've gotten therapy in my life. It was fine. Worked out some stuff. You got to do it. I mean, this show right now is my therapy. I get to work out all my issues. All the things I can't say when I'm on TV and on other people's radio show, I get to say on this one. Two hours, I can say whatever I want to whomever I want. It's a blessing. Thank you, JVC Media, for giving me this opportunity. See, I'm praising JVC Media, and I, by the way, not as bad as not as bad as um, as uh, as the president makes his people do it. I'm just saying, I'm saying nice things about JVC because they've been great to me, giving me this forum, my therapy. It's like therapy, right? I don't think my HMO covers radio time, <laughs> but, but it is it is therapy. It is a therapy session for me. I think the president would do well by it. 631-451-1039. I'm with you for a few more minutes. 631-451-1039 if you want to get in on the national conversation. Don't forget, I'm at Christopher Hahn on Twitter. That's at Christopher Hahn on Twitter. Need some followers. You want to find out where I'm appearing next, what shows I'm on. That's the best way to figure that out. I will be on Justice with Judge Janine Saturday night in the 9 o'clock hour, probably talking about the mood of the country after the shooting. Uh, Janine is a law and order type person. She was a former prosecutor in Westchester County and a former judge. And uh, she likes to talk about crime and punishment issues and politics. So I'll be on probably with Matt Schlapp, who's my regular debating partner, a guy who I like. And I like his wife, Mercedes. And Matt's the head of the conservative union, CPAC, as you guys know it. I think he's a good guy. I disagree with his politics dramatically. I am completely opposite of him politically. But I like Matt. I think most people who know Matt, Matt, Matt peers on more than just Fox. He goes on MSNBC and CNN. Everybody likes Matt. He's a good guy. I don't hate Matt. I don't like his politics. I don't agree with his politics, but he is not my enemy. He is my friend. 
who I debate. Keep on coming back to it tonight, America, because that's what it's all about. The rhetoric that they are your enemy because they disagree with you is wrong. You don't think that about anything else. Coke or Pepsi. Oh, I got to hate that guy. He's a Pepsi drinker. No. Hot dog or hamburger. Oh, I can't hang out with people who eat hamburgers. I'm a hot dog person. We don't hate vegans because they don't eat they don't eat fish. We disagree about a lot of things. You might have not liked Wonder Woman. I thought it was great. I thought it was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. You might have hated it. I don't think you're evil because you hated Wonder Woman. Right? I don't think that. You might like Netflix over Amazon Prime. I like them both. But you might like one over the other. You might be really into Netflix. I can't watch Orange is the New Black anymore. I watched the first two seasons, the first three seasons, and the, se- and, and the last season. The one, I'm, I didn't even get through the season that came out last year. I only got halfway through it. I'm not watching the new season. Um, I kind of think it lost its way, you know? <laughs> I'd have to agree on that one. Yeah, it lost its way. But I don't hate people who love it. Can't wait for it to come out. Binge watch it the minute. I don't hate you. I don't think you're the enemy of, of good TV. I mean, the show went downhill. Significantly downhill, okay? Significantly. The first two seasons were, were stellar. And third season was eh. And the fourth season stunk. I mean, I don't know. I didn't watch the whole thing. Maybe it got better. <laughs> but I watched like the first five episodes. And, and, and I didn't like it. I, I couldn't watch it anymore. I was like, this is unwatchable. What happened to Piper? They're going to make Piper the kingpin in the picture? Are you kidding me? That's not what Piper was. I read the book. She's the kingpin. She's like Red. No, no. Red is Red. You keep the characters as the characters. That's what happens. You develop the characters, but you don't change them. You don't change them like that. Nobody believes Piper's the the kingpin. No, I didn't believe that for a minute. People were afraid of Piper? Come on. <laughs> but I don't hate you if you think that, that Piper really worked as the kingpin in the prison. And I don't know if she got taken down because I didn't watch the end of it. I couldn't deal with it. Anymore. It was like just bad to me. And I, what happened to Jason Schwartzman? We love Jason Schwartzman. Why did they get rid of him? I mean, this is the kind of thing that makes me, it keeps me up at night. But I don't disagree with you. I don't think you're my enemy if you can't wait for the next season of Orange is the New Black. I can't, I, it's not, I don't disagree with you. I don't hate you for that. I mean, I love Game of Thrones. You might hate it, but winter is coming, America. Better get here already, though. I mean, God. Winter's here, I believe. Yeah, I, would, <laughs> I think, I, I, I think right that now. when we get to this old grand opening, it better be snowing right? in the first scene <laughs> of, of Game of Thrones. I'm just exactly. saying. Exactly. I mean, I've, been, I've been hanging in for about, what, 10 years now? It better start snowing. <laughs> 
All right, I want to see like a foot of snow. Episode one. Yeah, yeah even in that sense. beach place that they Swift go to. Is yeah, I want to see like right there in, in uh, with King's Landing. Uh-huh. I want a foot of snow. <laughs> like I want the King's Landing Department of Public Works to have a major problem on their hands when Game of Thrones starts. Yeah. I want that. Okay? And I, I get it. This is the last season. Of course, I'm going to watch every minute of it. I thought last season was very good. I don't want to give away what happened if you didn't watch it yet, but you should watch it. Very good. But if you disagree with me on that, I don't think you are evil. I don't think less of you. I don't think you're unintelligent. I don't think that. I think we just have different tastes in television. So why is it about Paula? What is it about Paula? I get it. You know, we all dig in on politics. But I don't hate people because they disagree with me. Look at my Twitter feed. Some of you might be personal friends with me listening to me right now on Facebook. Look at what happens on Facebook. I got a lot of friends from high school who really disagree with me. But if I ran into them, I would give them a hug because they're my friends. We just disagree on politics. There's nothing wrong with that. They're not my enemy. They're us. We are them. We're all one nation under God. And we're indivisible. Remember that part? Indivisible. We got to get back to that. Don't look cross-eyed at the person who has different, different beliefs than you. Let's have a conversation. Don't flock to the most extreme voice you hear, too, by the way, on the left or the right. I mean, I, I know I'm entertaining and kind of wild on the radio, but those of you who have conversations with me about politics, you do know that I'm a rational kind of actor. I'm not extreme. Progressive, yeah. But I'm not extreme. I don't hate people because I don't like their ideas. I'm not trying to tear down this country and rebuild it differently. I believe in what the founders gave us and what people fought and died for over the many years, the 240 years of our existence. I believe in it. I believe in it strongly and proudly. Do I think we've always been perfect? No. I think our founders understood that we wouldn't always be perfect. That's why they gave us a constitution that was a living, breathing document that could be amended, that could be interpreted by the courts, that could be changed by Congress, that had a system that watched each other, checks and balances, America. By the way, a system that I feel our president does not respect. And I speak out against that every day. I also feel that the Congress is abdicating some of its responsibilities to be a check on the president. I am heartened by that bill today about sanctions, though. Passed the Senate 97 to 2. It's going to pass the House overwhelmingly. By the way, the two senators that voted against it, Rand Paul and Bernie Sanders. Chew on that for a minute, America. Rand Paul and Bernie Sanders were the two that voted against it. Pretty diverse group of people voting against it and a very diverse group of people voting for it. 
when Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell agree, Elizabeth Warren and Al Franken and all the rest, John McCain, Jeff Flake, Kirsten Gillibrand, they all agree. Pretty powerful stuff. All right, America. That's all I got for you tonight. Got to remind you to seek the truth. Question everyone. Question everything. Even me. Seek the truth, America. I know you'll find it. I know it's out there. And I will be back here again next week. Tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Follow me on Twitter at Christopher Hahn. Thanks for listening, America. That's what mom and dad say we should do We should run through the forests We should swim in the streams We should laugh, we should cry We should love, we should dream We should stare at the stars And not just a scream The Chris Hahn Show podcast is recorded live at 103.9 FM in New York at Long Island News Radio. This episode was sent to Face Off Unlimited headquarters in Astoria, Queens, and was edited by Jeffrey Shimmer. Executive producers are Joe Tex, Jay Painter, and Eric Robinson. FOU Studios is a property of Face Off Unlimited LLC. I'm Brian Walters, the senior producer here, and on behalf of everybody who worked on this show, we'd like to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in. Subscribe to catch all of our other podcasts here on the FOU Studios Podcast Network. To learn more about Chris and to find out about his upcoming television appearances, follow him on Twitter at Christopher Hahn and at ChristopherHahn.com. To learn more about FOU, connect with us via social media at FOU Studios and visit us at FOUStudios.com. Boom! Boom.